It is uh, wonderful to look at uh, the parasha once again. So as you see here, uh, the, this week it's called Mishpatim. And that's a plural, so it, it's referring to judgments. And it's kind of interesting um, that this word is being used as uh, it also can be dis- defined as rules or ordinances. But the Hebrew word that is the root of this word is shafat. And shafat means to judge. And so I'm going to give you a little bit of my understanding uh, using this parasha. And it might be a little different than your understanding, and that'll be okay. It'll be okay with me. I don't know if it'll be okay with you. Um, But I don't think that God is just giving us rules and regulations, but he's giving us an understanding of his judgments, so that we, when we study Scripture, we'll be better able to understand His judgments, and we should make uh, better choices of what is right and wrong, because we understand from His vantage point what He wants. So, when you understand God's judgments, you better understand God's heart. And I think, as, as McBeal talked about getting the full counsel of God, which I'll certainly talk about as well, uh, really it's about knowing the heart of God. And we need to know when it is the right time to show uh, compassion and mercy, and when it's the right time to, show, uh, to offer correction and even punishment. So I'm going to use chapter 21, as our beginning point, it's about uh, Hebrew servants, as it says, as we'll read in a second. Um, and uh, God does not say whether it's right or wrong, similar to what McBeal said. It, it doesn't say whether it's right or wrong to have servants. And, and I think one of the reasons we see that is because the whole culture was understood about servants. So it was a normal thing. By the time they got to getting some of these judgments or laws or ordinances, they already had plenty of people involved in, in being servants and, and slaves. So, But what God does in this parasha is he explains what is the godly way to handle this, not only for the master, Uh, of the house, the master or the slave, but the slave themselves as well. How are they to react back? So let's start with Exodus 21, 5 and 6. If the servant plainly states, I love my master, my wife, and my children, and I will not go out free, then his master is to bring him to God, then take him to a door or to a doorpost, His master is to pierce his ear through with an awl, and he will serve him forever. So the understanding, which uh, is kind of interesting, is first the master takes him to God. Now, it doesn't say what does that mean, but I'm going to believe that they've, they've 
come together in prayer in the presence of God so that they would be in unity. Because that's what it sounds like, but this is just my inference from the passage, not something I can guarantee to you. But the other thing that's interesting is that the reward of treating people well, uh, which the master obviously does in this example, is that the, the servant or the slave um, wants to stay. And, and that's because they know when they have something good. And obviously this master has treated them well. Now, the thing is, also, that I think this, is, this shows also that God is the master of the master. And, and that is really crucial as we look at this, that the master and the slave are both under the Lord, under the, ma the, the supreme master, so to speak. And also in this passage, I see that God really wants to see loyalty and he wants to see integrity. And what that means is for the slave, in this case, or the servant, to take their promise seriously. Now, I don't see that uh, we should be piercing ears to demonstrate our commitment um, as a law, um, that every time you make a promise... You, you give them that physical understanding that you're going to keep your commitment by, I mean, that would put piercings to a whole new level, right? Um, you know, I thought, maybe that's what my daughter was trying to tell me. The three piercings had to do with, with her commitments and her promises, yes. Preach it, yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, yes. But I think it's, it, and this shows us that God is not, uh, look, in this parasha, it is said, similar to what Megbeal said, um, there are a lot of laws or ordinances. They're called laws. But I call them judgments because honestly, even though there are 53 out of the 613 mitzvot, the, the commandments, I see them more as, as, as many of them as judgments. And so that we can learn what God wants uh, from our heart and our mind and our spirit. So when we tell the Lord, as the Israelites told the Lord, everything that Adonai has spoken, we will do. You get a piercing for that. Actually, you get a big one because there are 613 laws. Okay. Again, actually, if you get it for the New Covenant, there are over a thousand laws. So the, um, I believe that, uh, well, 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 we'll get into it. God certainly wants us to follow what he has outlined in Scripture. The difficulty is figuring out when he wants us to learn something uh, or when he is saying something that, that, that we have to follow. Because they're different. 
So you say, well, if they're all laws, don't you have to follow all of them? Well, I believe like this last thing that we just read, I don't believe that God necessarily wants us to be doing that, but he does have a special message for our heart and our mind and our spirit in that law that we should not overlook. And most of us don't have problems with uh, the death penalty when it has to do with somebody who is involved in premeditated murder. But uh, how do you interpret the following scriptures in Exodus twenty-two seventeen? You must not permit a sorceress to live. Of course, you'd have to figure out who's a sorceress, but that's a whole other thing. 18, anyone who lies with an animal must surely be put to death. 19, anyone who sacrifices to the gods except to Adonai alone is to be put under a banner of destruction. A ban, I'm sorry, a ban of destruction. Now, those are the easy ones. 21, verse 21 to me is the hard one. You must not mistreat any widow or orphan. Well, we can agree with that. Not sure that everybody has been active in that area. But at any rate, if you mistreat them in any way, and we would have to define mistreat. How about ignore? Is that mistreating? Oh, okay. Well, then, in that case... It says, and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry. My wrath will burn hot, and I will kill you with the sword. So your wives will become widows, and your children will become orphans. Now, since this is something that a law that involves what God's going to do, I'm fairly certain that he has not done that in the literal sense. I'm fairly certain, but I'm also fairly certain that he wants us to open our eyes and understand what's important to him. And, and so I, I think this is really a, um, when, well, the law has to be looked at. We cannot just push it aside. Exodus 21, okay, parents, this one's for you. Verse 15 and 17. Anyone who strikes his father or his mother must surely be put to death. And whoever curses his father or his mother must surely be put to death. That would really take care of any population problems that one could have, uh, you know. Um, so, so we've got to figure out what God is trying to say with these things because he's giving us these judgments or these laws that deserve death and though we might laugh at them we should not trivialize them and um, hitting parents or cursing parents must have strong consequences we can't say oh it's just kids being kids no, God wants us to understand that this is part of raising up a child in the way they should go. And when they're older, they won't depart. We have to make it clear that this is not going to work. I think we should fall short in the area of killing them. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that's exactly what we're supposed to be doing. But you know, uh, 
these instructions give us great sensitivity on how important certain things are to God and that we don't just blow them off as not being a big deal. So um, we also have to look at the difference between punishment given by a person and given by the judicial system, the courts. So when we personally deliver punishment, it usually is fast and emotionally driven, which means it's probably not godly. Um, when a court delivers punishment, it's got to be deliberate and should include all the information in, in order to, for the punishment to fit the crime and at least have two witnesses. Now, I've got to say that maybe our legal uh, system does not work that way, but this would be, uh, I believe, God's way in, in how to do this. And I think God would have us fix us before we worry about fixing the legal system. So we have to review the entire counsel of God, because if we just take one verse, we might go in the wrong direction. Um, in this parasha, after these laws were given, we see in chapter 23, verse 20, all of a sudden, God is demonstrating mercy. And this is a very interesting passage for two reasons. Let's read it first. Behold, I'm sending an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you into the place that I have prepared. Watch for him and listen to his voice. Do not rebel against him because he will not pardon your transgression. For my name is in him. But if you listen closely to his voice and do everything I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. Amen. So I believe this is all about Yeshua. This is Yeshua in the Hebrew Scriptures. Notice the, the way this is translated in the last line. This is quite interesting. I, uh, it says, but if you listen closely to his voice, then it says, and do everything I say. So we are seeing kind of a connection between God who is speaking about this angel, and there seems to be a tremendous connection there as they both are wielding the same authority, the same authority, which shows us, again, the sense of Yeshua's deity. And we see that it says that this angel is going to guard you and bring you to a place that God is prepared Watch for him, listen to his voice, do not rebel against him because he will not pardon your transgression. Now, again, so this angel has the ability to pardon or not pardon your transgression, which is really only, again, what God can do. And, for, and my name, God speaking, is in him, meaning that we are one. I, I mean, it's, it, it just seems so clear to me. But besides all of that, God still offers sinners because we, he knows that after giving all these 53 laws or however many in the parsha, that 
it won't take but a moment before we break at least one of them. And uh, God still offers this opportunity of this angel to listen to this angel because I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm, even though I, I know the depth of your sin uh, and it's repetitive, even though that's true, I'm still offering you uh, this way out. I'm still offering you uh, my mercy and my grace. It's crucial that when we look at scriptures, we interpret them well. And if you allow one verse to push you to a conclusion, it oftentimes will not be God's heart. Because one verse alone, if that's the only verse that says something, you, you just wait and, and, and try and figure it out. Because on the other hand, you cannot dismiss a verse because you don't understand it and think it was only for a certain time period and it doesn't pertain to you. My personal opinion is all scripture, and I think it's from scripture that I have my personal opinion, but all scripture is for us. And I, I, I don't agree with all the many, 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 many Bible teachers who try and place it in a time period so it, it was for them, but it was not for us. God has something for us out of every word in his scripture. And we should not push it aside and say this is not for us. Everything is for us. Bible teachers try and make the Bible simple and God's Word simple, and I don't think there's anything simple about it. I, I think that we have to understand the thing that makes it complex is that we don't have an understanding of how to, uh, to think about God and His Word because there's nothing in the world except for God and His Word that would prepare us to even read it and understand it. So we don't have another thing to rely on to help us. God wants us to wrestle. If he wanted to make it easier, he would have made it easier. He wants us to wrestle like Jacob wrestled. He wants us to wrestle with his word. He wants us to find out what is the heart of God. He's not just giving it to us on, on a simple platter. It, it is something that we, because when we find out, when we struggle to find things out, it will probably help us change more than if it was just simple and it was handed to us, then we wouldn't feel the need to change. But when we struggle and, and we get through all this difficult stuff and we say, God, do you really mean this? And you got all these supporting scriptures and you say, oh, I guess I have to change. Some people don't want to follow God because they don't want to change. They want an easy out. But let's, you know, they also feel that, that there are places in the Bible that there are discrepancies. So let's look at one that people always seem to bring out. It happens to be part of our parsha. And that's Exodus 21, 23 to 25. If you uh, if any harm follows, then you are to penalize life for life, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, hand for hand, foot for a foot, burn for a burn, wound for wound, 
blow for a blow. Now, I ask you, is there any place, anywhere in Scripture that shows that the people of Israel did this? Literally. I mean, think about it. Now, there are some places, obviously, that there was revenge. And, and maybe you could say, okay, that's like it. But for the most part, you didn't hear about if somebody's tooth got knocked out, that they pulled the tooth out of the victim. Or they, they burned a person who put somebody on fire that, in retaliation. Uh, you know, for the most part, this is not done. So what is God trying to say? Because if it's not literal, then what does he want us to learn? Well, as far as I'm concerned, this is instruction to the judges of Israel. That when you, when you tell people what your verdict is, when you sentence the person who has done wrong, you will try and keep things at a level of, that, is, that works for God. That what, what was done, you're going to do something of equal proportion to that person. Um, you know, interesting that the judicial system was set up before the, this parsha. It was set up in Exodus 18. And that's where uh, penalties also were decided. Uh, so it, was, it, it came before actually God's instruction about this, which is an interesting thing to think about. But if you've committed a, a serious sin, basically your, your, the verdict would be serious, whether it's death or whatever. But most crimes uh, were either settled with finances or animals that if, if uh, something was done, then an equal amount of finances or animals that were valued would be paid back to the one who was hurt. And uh, even more, in some cases, up to five times more the value of what was taken was given back. Uh, that would be an interesting thing to put into our um, body of judiciary these days. Can you imagine if somebody did a, a grab at, at one of the stores of jewelry and took uh, $5,000 and... Uh, their, their, the response to it is that they had to return $25,000 worth of goods to the person. That would probably stop most robberies, I would think. Um, any rate, that's a whole other story as well. Yeshua made this a pers personal issue in Matthew 5.38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evildoer. Now, I believe that this particular phrase and, and, and what follows is to you and me, not to the government. Just as the other one, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, uh, was to the government, this is to us as individuals. And... Yeshua, as he often does, he raises the bar, and he, he actually takes 
the scripture from Exodus and he does his own drosh on it and explains what he would like to see. And so he says, whoever slaps you on, on, on your right cheek, turn to him also the other. Now, I don't, again, I don't believe he's literally prescribing you to say, like it does in some movies, oh, you thought that hurt, try this side. You know, no. I, I don't think that's what Yeshua was saying. But we see that, and, and the wanting to sue you and to take your shirt, uh, and, and the one wanting to sue you and to take your shirt, let him also have your coat. This is a very disturbing scripture um, because what we want to do in this day and world we live in, the culture we live in, is sue and sue and sue. I mean, that's how one of the ways to get money, right? Uh, we sue for things that people have done to us. And here it's saying, let him also have your coat. Now, again, I'm not taking this as literal. I am taking this as what God wants in our heart. And... Uh, that's how I see it. You might disagree. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. And again, this is a heart issue. God is, Yeshua is explaining the heart of people and, and how they are to treat other people. It's, it's very clear to me. Now, you know, I think that, and let me give you a real-life example for that. Recently, um, the uh, Dylan Roof, I don't know if that name sounds familiar to anybody, was issued a death sentence for killing nine people in 2015 in the South Carolina church shooting. And... That was an attack, if you remember, in Charleston. It was racially motivated. So it was a, and the jury found it to be a hate crime. But that was one of the most, I, I mean, talk about tragedy. It, it was awful. But what the days after were some of the most encouraging days that I've ever heard in my life. As one after another family member got on TV and said, we forgive him. And I went, how? How do you do that? That's like crazy. But that's biblical. It's biblical. They had to be clean and pure before the Lord, and the, and the government was responsible for taking care of the punishment. And so both the 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 person and the government, they both did their job. And that's what's important. We cannot do the job of somebody else or some other organization. And so this is a critical understanding of Scripture, which is why we don't take revenge. Because we don't do it well. We're ugly. So my point is that no matter whether you have found a scripture that declares a law or declares grace, use the entire Bible 
carefully develop your biblical opinions. And watch out for teachers, whether it's me or anybody else. You, you have got to study this for yourself to show yourself approved. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching, for reproof, for restoration, and for training in righteousness so that the person belonging to God may be capable fully equipped for every good deed, every good work. You see, the purpose of Scripture are for good deeds. Good deeds. And that's who we are. Now, there are many times where we will not agree when we interpret what God is saying in the Bible. However, hopefully, one of the things that you and I will all agree on is that Scripture especially the Hebrew Scriptures, points to Yeshua as Lord. And yes, even the Hebrew Scriptures, which we're going to talk about in class today, at, uh, at my class this afternoon, we'll be talking about some of that. Yeshua in the Hebrew Scriptures, because that's part of Messianic Judaism, seeing it uh, with, with eyes open in, in a different way than maybe the church has seen it in the past. And so... We, we see that this is important for us to, to grab a hold of and understand. Scripture says in 1 John 4, 8, so here's an example, the one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. That is really clear. So Yeshua was the very demonstration of the fact that that God is love. While You know the scriptures. While we were sinners, he died so that our sin would be atoned for. I can't imagine. Picture this. You've been bad all your life. Of course not you, but somebody else in the sanctuary. They've been bad all their life. They've done lots of things wrong uh, against the law. And they go before the judge, and the judge reads their, your rap sheet, and there's a lot there. And so the judge is ready to pronounce the sentence. And all of a sudden, Yeshua walks in and says, but sorry, judge, I've already taken care of this. It's, this person is clean before me. Let them go free. And as McBeal said, you know, this is all about freedom. And, and God wants you and I to be free. This is what Yeshua has done for us so that we wouldn't receive punishment or even have guilt. Yeah, we're supposed to be motivated to do better, but not to have the guilt that stops us from doing good, but the motivation that drives us from doing good because of what Yeshua did for us. So you have the freedom of that atonement now by accepting Yeshua into your life. So if there's somebody here today in the sanctuary who has never accepted Yeshua, or if there is somebody here on Facebook Live that has never accepted Yeshua, please say this prayer with me. Lord, I don't deserve it, 
But your scripture says that if I receive you into my heart, you will pronounce me not guilty of my sins. I am sorry for my sins, Lord. I receive you into my heart. I dedicate my life to you. Father, I pray in the name of Yeshua for each and every person who is here who has done this to sense the freedom that God wants you to have knowing Yeshua is your Messiah. This freedom is free probably one of the only things that's free, though there is a cost, and that cost is we've had to make ourselves servants of the living God through Yeshua. And I gladly pay that cost for all that I have received. So Lord, I pray that the people here will gladly pay the cost of freedom so that they will live a life that is pleasing to our master, you, Lord, and that they will give you honor and glory. And in everything they do, you will be blessed by our actions, by our heart, because we have taken your word seriously. We, Lord, we are putting your word into our hearts so that we don't sin against you. Lord, we are putting your word in our heart so that we can truly be that light on the hill. Lord, we are putting that word in your word in our heart so that we can truly be called a disciple, an ambassador of the living God. We thank you, we praise you, and honor you in the name of Yeshua.